Is this thing still on? I think they can hear us a bit better now. Should we keep talking? Of course. Let's say it louder for those in the back. Hi, and welcome to the Green Nurse Podcast, an unfiltered discussion about health and healthcare. My name is Amy Archibald Burley. And my name is Sarah Fung. And we are your podcast hosts. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, iHeartRadio, or any other podcast platform, don't forget to hit subscribe so you can get updates on new episodes. If you love our podcast and our advocacy work, please go to www.grittynurse.com and click on the Support Us button. This will give you access to exclusive episodes and early releases on a monthly basis. This will help us with the cost of running the podcast, the time and energy to put out awesome and informative episodes. And for that, we thank you and we appreciate you. Hi and welcome everybody. Thank you so much again for tuning in week to week. We have a special guest today and I'm so proud and so honored that she could come on our podcast to have this conversation because it couldn't be more timely. It couldn't be more timely in regards to all the things that we've been seeing over the past three years during the pandemic with nurses feeling very fearful of speaking out. We've actually talked about um, this particular guest on our podcast talking about the importance of speaking out. Uh, the importance of raising our voices. But again, we have to go back to some of the, these structures and things that we see that cause nurses to pause and and to not share their voices or not lend their perspectives. And I think this is going to be e- more needed, even more now, even more so, um, not just here in Canada, but just on a national forefront. And I mean, I, I, I'm going to throw this quickly in that we just saw yesterday that So the 2023 nominations have gone in for the American presidency, and we've seen that Donald Trump is going to be running again. So I think it's going to be, this is a timely discussion because the importance of raising our voices and the notion of freedom of expression, freedom of speech, and I think that'll be another topic, is going to be needed. We're going to need to all raise our voices because I don't care what anybody says, the U.S. sneezes and Canada catches a cold. So we need to be well prepared as nurses, as healthcare professionals, as advocates to be able to raise our voices. Yeah, so I think that this is a really great conversation we're about to have because we always like to share other nurses' stories and we always encourage nurses, you know, to come on and really share their truth because I think it's always best to hear from the person's perspective who, uh, you know, experienced this situation. And uh, many of you nurses out there may have heard this name before. So today we have Carolyn Strom on. And um, before we get into the conversation, I would just love it, Carolyn, if you could introduce yourself to the listeners and tell them a bit about yourself. Hi, I'm, I'm Carolyn Strom. I go by Carolyn Brost Strom now. It's both my names. That's who I am. And yeah, I am a registered nurse and coming up in, I guess I've been a nurse now for 19, 19 years. I've been in the same sort of job and with the health authority, it'll be 20 years in, in July. So I've been a nurse for a long time. I uh, started in the hospital for about a year and a half. My, my passion was, was public health though. And I knew that coming out as a student, but you just have to wait for those job openings to come up. So a year and a half in, I got an offer to come work in public health and 
and that's that's where I currently reside. Yeah, and it's been it's been quite something. I I remember when I got into nursing and I first got onto the wards, like I'm, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to make so many changes. I'm you know I I see what's going on and I want. And then you realize how that's not easy, especially when you're the new person. You know it's 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 really tough. So I do when I see some new nurses now come out and they they are really uh, confident in their voices, it's quite amazing. And I applaud them for that because it is not easy uh, in the culture that we have. It's uh, it's very inspiring to see these new nurses come out and, you know, they're fresh-faced and doe-eyed and they want to make a difference. And I want to help them sustain that mentality, right? Like, I hate to see nurses so new to the profession that already feel deflated, that feel disempowered, that feel like they've experienced the bullying that we talk about. Like, that's not nursing. And I really think that we need to continue to lift these nurses up and really give them the tools they need to succeed. And it's it's so difficult these days. I thought maybe you could just kind of rewind the timeline back to 2015. And I think you know where I'm going with this. And maybe talk about what happened there and how that incident all unfolded. Yeah. So in, in 2015, I was on maternity leave. I had my second daughter. Yeah, my, my grandpa, he passed away. And Throughout the the time in his care, there were always some issues. You know, we kind of were concerned about a few things that were happening, more than a few things, but just nothing really seemed to be be done. Whenever there would be a concern, it was always brushed off or you know not not resolved to to how we we would have liked. After he died, I I spoke out publicly about how I was unhappy with the care he had received. And I got in a lot of trouble for that. Yeah, and then my life for the next five years was spent defending myself from the regulatory body and the courts just to be able to say that I did have a right to, as a family member who happened to be a nurse, was allowed to to share my story and ask for better for my grandpa. And the concern at the time was grandpa was in care, but grandma uh, he, like he had died, but my grandma was still there. And so I right. wanted things to be better for her and for all of the people who were there. The The thing about it, as this all went on, is they eventually did ha- did do a review of the place and some changes were made eventually. And, and so I do hope that that care, you know, was was improved for everybody else as a result. But yeah, it was it was a pretty, pretty awful ordeal, uh, a ganging up <laughs> A person feels pretty uh, isolated when that does happen and and not understood at all. It, it took to getting to the Court of Appeal of Saskatchewan to finally feel like the people understood what had happened. And that was was already four, four years in. Yeah. My frustration with it was that it was never a concern about what happened to him. It was the fact that I said something and the fact that I, it was felt I didn't go through the right channels. That that was the focus. Right. It wasn't the fact that the care, they didn't care. And when I when I say they, it was the regulatory body. They had no interest in the level of care. It was they felt I had done something wrong by speaking. Which is which is crazy because I think that anybody that has been listening and watching the the news over the past three years knows that long-term care has had a tremendous amount of issues. Yeah. We had to, here in Ontario, call in the army 
to deal with the ramifications of COVID-19 ripping through long-term care. And we saw some of the worst conditions in long-term care that we that I think lots of folks were sounding the alarm bells on, but people were not paying attention to it because mm-hmm. many of long-term care sectors are from the private sector. And we've had journalists speak out very openly about how how horrible some of the care has been in long-term care. So like Andre Picard, he's a he's like an award-winning winning, uh, healthcare journalist. Our job fundamentally is to, to protect the public, to protect folks that are coming in to receive care. And we can't do that without sounding the alarm when we see things that are untoward, then we see things that are causing harm to the patient. That is inherently our job. That is our role. And long-term care has long, long been neglected. And I remember like I had my, my grandmother was in long-term care too. And I remember going in and seeing like as a nurse too, going in, seeing some of the, the, the most, I guess, unhumane type of conditions. I remember helping other residents being going in many times where I was like, where are the people who work here? Right. So I think that was just another part that, you know, they were underserviced. They didn't have enough staffing as well. That's right. And, and just being like, you know, this is a problem. And I never once thought to myself, cause honestly, I come from a family where, and I wouldn't say it's complaining. It's about raising concerns and saying, hey, something seems off here. And that is actually a good thing to do. I don't care what anybody else out there says. If you see something, particularly in healthcare, that can cause more harm, it is our due diligence as nurses, as physicians, as allied health, whomever, to say something seems wrong here. And the fact of the story for you in particular, which is concerning, is the fact that you're trying to make the system better. That's how quality improvement works. We see something, we see that there might be a situation that needs to be changed. Someone has to say something because, you know, they ask, this is the other piece, Carolyn, they ask nurses to put in incident reports to ensure that we, you know, provide better quality care and better healthcare outcomes. But on the other hand, for your particular situation, you were punished for saying that we need to do things better. And this is where... I think the idea of professional misconduct, we need to talk about that. Um, What does it mean to you now as a nurse, this whole idea of professionalism or professional misconduct? And, you know, how has it changed the way that you think and what you consider to be professional now? Again, I always just believed that I'm myself, but I'm also a nurse and the, the two are just sort of one, right? So in my opinion, it's, it, it is our obligation to say something when something isn't, isn't right. As for the professional misconduct that I was accused of, it just, it, it was wrong. Like it, that, that was not what happened. The creative wording, you know, that was used against me to, to make a case, like it, it, it was tricky, you know, and like I said, had the effort been put into actually improving care versus punishing me, I mean, that's, that was my biggest concern. Is there and it was not right. <laughs> yeah, just very, very frustrating. And I mean, now that it's it's passed, and I mean, I finally got a got a ruling. You know, uh, it would have been October October sixth, twenty twenty, that everything was over. That I finally had the the three judges at the court of appeal in my favor, saying, and they they had that that phrase that they had in their judgment that said, you know. All professionals are either a nurse or a brother or a sister, uh, you know, they family members of someone. 
and them being a a professional in in whatever they're doing shouldn't impede on the fact that their first priority is to their family members to make sure that they're cared for properly. A hundred percent. I think that this is where, like, I think the whole idea on professionalism and professionalism nursing or professional, the idea behind what a professional is, is, is changing. And I think that's a good thing because there was a lot of things that were deemed or considered to be unprofessional. And I don't think it's unprofessional at all to be making the statements that you made. They're not unprofessional. It's actually ridiculous that even for one second, it was called unprofessional. I remember even just, you know, a few years ago, and it still is happening kind of with U.S. nurses and, and you know, in the in the U.S. workforce where they talk about whether your hair is a particular way, whether that's professional or not, like, but where they talk about, you know, maybe the color of your hair or how an uh, individual wears their hair. So, for example, they have the whole Crown Act in the States where, you know, black individuals, we wear our hair natural and some folks would be like, oh, that's unprofessional. It's crazy. It's crazy that they would even say that. And then even the notion, and I'll give you an example of people swearing or whatever the case may be saying, oh, that's unprofessional. I remember, Carolyn, um, working at an organization and having someone say to me, I ha- we've received a complaint about your podcast. And I'm like, I beg your pardon? Like, I'm, what, why are we talking about my podcast at work? Like, this is something I do completely outside of my, my job. And they're like, well, the person said that you were swearing. And as a nurse, they think that's unprofessional. I started to laugh so hard because I was just like, you know what, people really need to back off of this and understand what professionalism is actually. And professionalism isn't this one all catch all thing. And people really need to move away from the notion of, and this is where I'd say, I think folks decided what professionalism is really kind of almost based on certain types of ideals that are actually not founded. And we need to really have open the conversation about what professionalism is. And it wasn't unprofessional for you to sound the alarm bell. It's not unprofessional for nurses to swear. We're all fucking people. There you go. For those that are listening that might be crying right now. And it's actually not, it's not unprofessional to, to make a statement to say, Hey, something is really untoward here. We need to do something different. And I think as nurses, we need to continue to have this conversation about what professionalism looks like, because it's not about hair. It's not about style of dress. It's not about any of those things. But I know even myself, it was really ingrained into me about like, oh, you need to act this particular way, you need to look this type of way. And it's all nonsense. Yeah, yeah, I, we can. Yeah, just building on what you said, Amy, I think there's this double standard when it comes to professional conduct as well, because at least in Ontario, they talk about uh, advocacy as one of our responsibilities. But what they really mean is patient advocacy. They are not necessarily talking about advocacy for yourself or advocacy as a profession. What they really want you to do is sit in your lane, shut up, and let them do the talking. And I think, Carolyn, what you did was you stepped a little bit outside their lane and you pissed some people off. But you were just doing what you thought was right. And I completely agree. I would have done the same thing. I was just wondering what was going through your mind as you made that initial post? Like, what were you what were you thinking or what were you hoping the outcome would be? Yeah. I just remember being like, this is the last straw, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you know, something has got to be done. Grandma's still there. Things have got to change. And that's, that was my motivation. There were a litany of things, right? And I won't go into them. I, I recognize that, 
you know, I'm, I'm not going to make any more trouble for the facility. You know, probably the majority of the people that were there then aren't there now. It's, it's just, it, it was that sort of gang up and make sure that whoever, you know, said it, just, just be quiet. They failed on their, on their professional obligation to give dignified care. When I'm saying things like that, it is simple things like making sure that someone isn't sitting all day in their depends, right? Right. Um, mm-hmm. This isn't even like, you know, your, you know, news making medication, deadly medication error stuff. This is just basic dignified care issues. Yeah. And I mean, mm-hmm. I, I kind of almost want to comment, go back to something that Sarah had said about like, you know, this idea that we're we're in these lanes. And if we step out of them, that we're, we're you know, we're or that, you know, we we can step outside of our lanes. I personally think that healthcare whether you're a nurse, physician, whatever, we need to like dismantle these fucking hierarchies. There's so all, all these these fictitious lines drawn of, you know, whether you can do this, whether you can't do this, whether you're an expert or not, blah, blah, blah. And I think the notion is that we, we really need to move away from that. We need to move away from these systems of oppression. That's what they really are. These systems of hierarchy that create inequities within our own healthcare circle. And the fact of the matter is, you should have been able to say something. I think that is absolutely within your right. And I think that the other piece is these these government systems, why were they trying to hush you? Why were they trying to silence you? And I think that's what people need to think about. Like, why did they feel that it was so important for them to take one person down? And I think this speaks to a greater problem where they're trying to protect their interests versus protecting patients' interests. And we're seeing this more and more. Like I think we're seeing it right now. Where here in Ontario, and I'm, it's happening everywhere. Where we're we're in this pediatric crisis, where we're seeing flu RSV numbers unprecedented. Like every single hospital is, in terms of the pediatrics, are at like a hundred and thirty plus percent. There, I've heard mumblings of triaging, which is insane for for a, for a pediatric population. But we're not really hearing the CEOs really saying the what they need to be saying and it just makes me wonder like why are you guys doing this like whose interests are you trying to protect and the more and more I think about it it's actually a very simple answer they're always I want you to think about this Carolyn it was never about you it was always about protecting their own interests they don't give they don't give two shits about what happens to other people out there if it's going to hurt the way they look their image their the perspective their perspective um their money i tell you you hit people where it's going to affect their money and people will do some crazy ass shit but that is what the problem is if you are going to hit them in their belts where it's going to hurt them financially where it's going to take their reputation down they will take all the energy to focus on one individual which was you at the time to bring you down because they don't want people looking at them when they're the ones creating the problem and that's what what we're seeing all over and it's very scary as individuals as members of the public when we're seeing huge organizations protecting themselves as opposed to protecting patients. Yeah, it's true. And the the thing that, that bothers me too is just the fact that nurses are not often used as, as experts. Like when you go on any sort of TV show, whether it's a news story, they always defer to often doctors or, or, and, but nurses are not very often 
used as a source of expertise in a news story about anything health related. Now, there's a couple of reasons for that. First of all, like I said, I wasn't allowed. (laughs) But also it's just so I mean, that could be going on in all sorts of places. And the the other thing is, is yeah, nurses are just afraid to, or they just, yeah, don't feel that they do have the expertise, but we do. Like we are very smart. We're well-spoken. And I think people need to, need to start acknowledging that and just using us as sources of expertise. Yeah, I totally agree. And actually, this is what happened with Amy and I and how we started doing media, which we just started calling them out and saying, why are you asking a physician about the nursing shortage? Like, why don't you ask a nurse? And they started thinking like, oh, maybe we should ask nurses for their knowledge and expertise. And I think that we are the largest healthcare profession, but we're the least represented. It's just completely opposite. And would it just if you were to change the uh or flip the scenario, talking about a physician shortage, it would make no sense to ask a nurse. Why would you even do that? But somehow it makes sense to ask a physician. And I've got nothing against physicians, but I think that we do have so much to offer that the public doesn't realize. We're mis- misrepresented in the media hugely. Um, and really, we just need a chance to speak. And I think if people gave us a chance, they'd be surprised at what they can learn from nurses. And I just think there's so much that we can give. Also, you know, with without getting too much into it. I think that throughout the pandemic, you know, we've been talking a lot about freedom of speech. Um, People have been saying, you know, their right to speak has been infringed upon. And I just wonder what you think about that, because your ability to express just your genuine concern with your grandfather and the concern or the care that he received, do you feel, do you feel like your freedom of expression was infringed upon in that situation? My focus wasn't the freedom of expression angle. Um, It was sort of made to look that way. My focus was the care, (laughs) right? But Mm -hmm. but that's sort of the angle that that some people took with it. Um, Now, I recognize that it's also important. (laughs) But at the time, it was just, this needs to be fixed. Like, that was my... But then as I started to go through all of that, I realized how important it was and how 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 difficult it was for for someone to to go through it. When I think back, I'm just trying to think there was I remember going to a nurses event. It was like nurses celebrating nurses in May. The university would always put that on. And they used to have these guidelines of what was expected of nurses. (laughs) And we're still kind of stuck in that. You know, where you had to have a chaperone, where you couldn't go to, couldn't be seen in a bar. You couldn't, like all of these silly expectations, like that we are these subservient. No, like we are full on professional, independent people, right? Like, yes, we we do um, in our profession serve others, but we're not subservient, right? right. And and that's uh, that's something that is still in people's mind, I think, sometimes when they think about nurses. Oh, I, I 100% agree with you. I think that still haunts and hangs over the life of nursing today. And I think that's, that's probably where folks don't see us as experts. Folks don't see that we should have a seat at the table because of all of those, those ideas and perceptions that have been, you know, passed down through history, right? And I think that these are the things that we're continuously trying to change. I remember a physician saying to me, actually, just within this year, asking me, well, what is your expertise in? And I was like, 
okay, we're going to have that conversation. Like let, let's, let's have that conversation right now. And I think that things, I, I do believe things are changing slowly, but we have to, we have to, as a profession, move away from this. The fact mm-hmm. of the matter that I, and it, it pains me to continue to hear you say that I'm not allowed to speak. And I mean, I think that is, that in itself is a part of this self-perpetuating self, you know, uh, the cycle that we have where we disempower ourselves. And I under, like, I know that there are challenges out there in Saskatchewan. So why do you think nurses still feel they can't speak up and that they're not allowed to speak up? Like what, what is actually behind all of that in Saskatchewan or in just nursing in general? I've had mixed reviews like myself when it comes to even just fellow nurses, their opinion on me being very forthright with with my opinions and expertise. Some agree and some don't. So within the profession, it's it's also a problem where some people think that we should just not say anything and just do our jobs. But I think part of our jobs actually are greater than than, you know, the scope that some people you know, think it is. It it frustrates me that people are always like sitting on edge thinking we're going to say something bad. And that shouldn't be the worry. One of the things that I remember, so I went to the legislature in Saskatchewan last year, November 30th, with my family. I had had enough and I'd written multiple letters to the Minister of Health, the Premier, just about conditions of, you know, that we had been experiencing the past two years. And uh, wrote to the premier. He wouldn't meet with me. So the leader of the opposition, uh, Ryan Miley, invited me to come with my family. And I, I didn't let my employer know till the morning of because based on my experience prior, I was like, they're going to tell me I shouldn't go. And it wasn't like I was going to do, say anything confidential. We know that. That's like, duh. You know, it was I wanted the opportunity to tell my story as a nurse, as a woman, as a mother, as a wife, how this had all around like impacted me. And then ultimately how patient care had been impacted, you know, and and I was willing to talk about that. But yeah, I the morning of I texted saying I'm doing this Um I know what I'm doing, <laughs> you know, but somebody has to say something at that point. Like I was at my wits end. Um, two months after that, I took a leave because I basically, I went there and I said, if you don't do something, people are going to be leaving. And they did nothing. Like we had Omicron after that. I think, yeah, that day, I remember they announced the world health organization announced that there, there was a new extremely contagious variant. And even though I went you know, to the legislature to say, you know, you guys need to be aware, do more. They didn't lift a finger. So that, that was crushing for me. And after that, I was like, okay, I got to take some time off. (laughs) Like, you know, I, I did everything I could. So, I mean, that's the thing is I want to make a difference. And, and I think most of us, I, I mean, that's why I got into nursing. Maybe it's not the same for everyone. I, I mean, I, I assume it is, well, I, I personally think, Carolyn, it should be. I think that what you're doing and what you have done has actually changed the face of nursing and made a huge impact because we had these boogeyman stories. And I think you actually somehow became a part of this boogeyman story, but the outcome is what is most important. Yeah. And I think that's what people have to take away from the fact of the matter is, one, you're still here. 
you're a powerful force to be reckoned with. And this is actually the work that nurses should be doing. We shouldn't be standing on the sidelines going, oh, crap, this looks really bad. Oh, there's nothing we can do about it. Advocacy is inherently a part of the work and the role of being a nurse. I want to let people know what happened in in the end. So I'm just going to quickly read a little statement here. So Appeal Court Justice Brian Barrington Foote wrote in his decision that Strom's freedom of expression was justifiably infringed and she had a right to criticize the care her grandfather received. The judge also ruled that criticism of the healthcare system is in the public's interest. And when it comes to frontline workers, it can bring positive change. That is so powerful. I don't even think you realize how powerful that is because that is exactly what we need to do and what we need to continue to do in healthcare. If there's one thing that you want nurses to and the community to know about, what would be your last thing that you'd want to tell them? Because I think that your story is a shining example. I know I couldn't imagine what it would have been going through what you went through over the five years and still what you're going through. But I feel that there is a silver lining. I feel that there's such an important message here. What would you like the public to know? And what would you like nurses to know today? I want people to realize that ultimately you need to be true to yourself. And at the end of the day, you have to be comfortable and okay with what you have done, whether it's in your job, in your life, And for me, staying silent was not that. Like I couldn't live with the fact of knowing that, you know, there were things going on and and I hadn't done anything. So that's, that's where I'm at. The other thing is, is your job also isn't who you are ultimately. It doesn't define you. And that was a hard lesson for me because especially during the pandemic, um, I tied my identity because that's all I did was work like, you know, these past two years. And that's why it was so crushing the the ultimate outcome of just letting it rip and all the work I'd done the past two years felt like it was for nothing. Um, I had tied so much of my being to that. That's not a good thing, right? So people have to remember to take care of themselves, to, you know, distance it and just remember, you know, who who they are and that this is a job. You're also still a person and to just remember to take care of yourselves and whatever that works. And that's, that's, that's complicated in itself as well, um, especially when you're working so much and you don't have that time. And that's where we're at right now. When people talk about the burnout and the, ultimately the, the injury that's happening to nurses, like moral and ethical injury happening to nurses right now, it's because we've worked so hard and it's so disappointing that we're where we are now the disappointment in government, the disappointment in the employer, it, it's soul, it can be soul crushing. And so I encourage people to, to take the time to make sure that they are doing the things that lift them up, uh, to continue to do those things. It's so important. I couldn't have said that better myself. I think that is so true because we think about how closely we tie our identity to being a nurse and many nurses don't know who they are if they aren't a nurse right so it's this existential crisis they're having and I just want people to remember that you are replaceable at work whether or not you believe it you're not replaceable at home you need to be there for the people in your lives the ones that are counting on you like I think you just need to think of it that way and if you don't know who you are if you're not a nurse maybe it's time to figure that out and kind of put things into perspective so 
I just want to thank you so much for coming on, Carolyn. I I don't know if there's anything that we missed that we could go back to, um, but it's been a really, really great conversation. Yeah, I I appreciate the the opportunity. And I mean, at, at the end of this, I remember when I was in my case and it, it weighed pretty heavy on me because it was my case. It was, but I knew that the outcome would impact everyone else in the profession. Also why I fought so hard to not buckle because <laughs> I was yeah. like, this will make a difference for other nurses. I know it will. And so I stuck it out. And I, so I really hope that people see the the good impact of what happened is that you do have the right to use your voice. Like that's what that decision says. Of course you need to be careful and not, you know, breach confidentiality, all those things. That's a given. That's like not even, yeah, like that is, but, but again, it, it just, I, I, I want nurses to feel like comfortable in telling their stories and that they're important to, to know that ultimately as an in, as a person they are all important yeah. yeah and i mean i think i'd like to say personally thank you because there probably wouldn't have been a gritty nurse podcast if there wasn't a carolyn brostrom so we really appreciate all that you've done because we might have not found our voices it was a painful time for us um and hearing the fact that you know and knowing you're you're right um it it really changed the way that a lot of us think about advocacy. And I don't think that maybe we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have done this work if we didn't say that, you know, Hey, maybe this is okay. Someone else showed us the path that, you know, we can speak out, we can have a voice. And I also want to just echo your last point about mental health. That is so important taking the time that you need. And I'm glad that you, you mentioned that and that you did do that because I think that there's still a lot of nurses out there that are drowning and that haven't taken that time. So I really hope that folks that are listening today, um, take that time, take the time that you need, take as much time as you need, because at the end of the day, you are more than just a nurse. A nurse, nursing is a profession. It is not who you are. You are a mom, you're a husband, you're a wife, you're, you're all these various different things. And nursing is just one aspect to who you are in terms of that personality. And the other pieces, we have the right to speak up and ha- share our opinions and to make this world and make healthcare a safer place for everyone. So I would like to say thank you so much, Carolyn, for coming on to the Greedy Nurse podcast. I don't think you realize how much this means to us. When I met you out in Saskatchewan, I was in tears because you are such a champion for nurses and I I applaud you and I hope that you continue to raise your voice and we will a hundred percent stand behind whatever you need and let us know if we need to, you know, cause some, stir some shit up down here. We're happy to do it for you and with you. <laughs> Thank you for having me on again. Yeah. It's been an honor. Thanks so much. It's been an honor. 